This is the A-Team Podcast, brought to you by Jack Rabbit Illustrated. The A-Team is presented by Drake's Place in Bowdle in Cottonwood Coffee and Bistro in Brookings. Now, here's your hosts of the A-Team Podcast, Matt and Kyle. Welcome back to the Splitting Hairs Podcast, presented by Jack Rabbit Illustrated. We messed up the countdown again, you guys. We are still in preseason form, even though it is week one. Uh, <laughs> so here we are. So tonight, um, excited to have you guys with us. Uh, we are talking about the special teams, doing a special teams preview, as well as looking ahead to Iowa. Uh, first and foremost, we need to thank our sponsors, uh, our title sponsors, Drake's Place of Bottle and Cottonwood Coffee of Brookings. Of basically of the world now. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, Drake's Place is, you know, tr- tremendous looking food. Uh, we've been able to sample it the last couple of years at tailgating, and it is very good. If you find yourself in Bottle, stop by their convenience store, uh, pick up whatever you need for the road, uh, but also plan out some time to just enjoy a, a dish at their restaurant. The pizza looks phenomenal. The calzones look great. Um, they have like some poutine fry bread that looks incredible hold on uh, what yeah yeah Check i out need that it, it looks so good um and so stop by drake's place kyle will you talk about cottonwood and what's going on with cottonwood right now so a huge announcement happened this week with them absolutely so cottonwood has now expanded their retail offering to 24 walmart locations across the state of minnesota which is huge news for a small startup that began in Brookings, South Dakota, off Maine, and expanded over to 6th uh, Six Avenue, right? I always get the streets and avenue mixed up. I'm a southerner, so, you know, it happens. Uh, words are words are hard for us. Um, but, yeah, really excited about that expansion. I think that's huge stuff for a small business. Um, locally sourced um, and locally grown food at the bistro. Uh, that you can catch and then also single origin coffee that you can get online for e-commerce and then now as we mentioned across 24 uh, uh, 24 walmart stores in minnesota so check them out if you like coffee if you need to pick me up in the morning it's it's great a little different than starbucks the traditional stuff you'll get from duncan and some of the chain uh stores across the country so shout out to them for sponsoring us awesome thanks kyle yeah. All right, so we are starting tonight with our special teams preview. Two weeks ago, we t- talked about the offense. Last week, we talked about the Jackrabbit defense. And now the third phase of the game uh, that is just as important uh, to the success of the team, special teams. And so we're in an interesting position this year with the Jacks, uh, one that we haven't been in since uh, the GOAT himself was a Jackrabbit. Um, Matt Zimmer astutely pointed that out in his preview, but we have one kicker handling the kicking duties as well as the punting duties this year in Hunter Dustman, who was our punter last year. So Hunter now, this is his third year in the program, really a strong leg kid. He was a five-star kicker, I believe, four and a half star punter uh, from Coles when he signed with the Jackrabbits. It was a tremendous signing out of the Twin Cities Metro um, had a 42 and a half yard average last year on his punts. Um, but again, it's a huge ask um, to ask one individual to go from punting to kicking to um, extra points and field goals. The mechanics are all different on them. 
Uh, he's talked about that. Rob Erickson, the special teams coordinator, talked a little bit about that when I spoke to him. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how Hunter holds up this year. Uh, Kyle, I, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it's awfully uh, a nod to him um, on in terms of his preparation and all that all that he's put in, you know, in the off season, and then even going back to last season when he beat out what we thought was a pretty solid punter in his own right, and Ben Dinkle. And, uh, you know, obviously Dinkle had a, had a pretty powerful leg, but for Hunter to come in, take the job, consistently perform throughout the year and, and in big moments um, just bodes well for what his future potential is. You know, now he's an upperclassman coming in as a junior, like you said, out of the Minnesota area from Bethel. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that workload going into, you know, the deeper parts of the season, more particularly in Missouri Valley Conference play. But, you know, juices are going to be amped and the energy is going to be there in Iowa City. It's going to be fascinating to see how he can handle all of that pressure, even in, you know, particularly the field goal type situations, maybe, you know, if we're in tough field field position scenarios, how is he going to do punting from, from deep, you know, maybe it's just a routine day for him. That's what we can all hope. Maybe he never touches the field. Uh, regardless, hopefully he's going to be mentally prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Rick Jensen, uh, Hunter's a great kid as well as athlete. Mentally, he has the tools. Yeah, it sounds like it, Rick. Uh, you know, my brief interactions with him and stuff, he suffered a knee injury his senior year of high school and, um, you know, really came back positive and strong from that. So, um, yeah, very interested to see how he does. I'm glad you talked about the different aspects of it, Kyle, there. It sounds like if he does need you know, a, a break, especially on kickoffs. They have a true freshman that I think they feel pretty comfortable with in Luke Fenton out of uh, Nebraska um, that he could see some time, could spell Hunter for those kickoff situations. Uh, the Jackrabbit kick coverage has been phenomenal the last few years. And so if you do need to give, you know, him a break, Hunter Dustman a break, that might not be a bad place to do it. Either kick a touchback or kick it way down to the goal line and pin your opponent deep. Um, that, that would probably be the optimal thing. Uh, Coach Erickson, when I talked to him, uh, he was he, he was pretty high on Michael Drotsman um, and said he's punting the ball as well as he has since he's been in Brookings. So, again, if if Hunter needs a break, send in Drotsman uh, to, to kick it and, and see what happens, I guess, there. So, um one big piece of this is the long snapping as we, as we saw in the spring season uh, that kind of turned into maybe our Achilles heel <laughs> at times. Right. And uh, Jaden Mueller, who was the long snapper for the first part of that season is now back. Uh, Brady Sorensen has graduated. All American is done. He's gone. Um, but Jaden Mueller is back from his knee injury, which he suffered in the pre in the spring season after playing four games as a true freshman. Um, and he's a very good long snapper. He's phenomenal. Uh, Coach Erickson in, in Zimmer's article talked about his times. He's a little bit slower than Brady right now, um, but not by much. It's a tenth or so behind. So he'll get there. Um, yeah, yeah. When you're when you're snapping at all American level, it's kind of kind of tough to just come out the shoot and match those times. But I'm pretty confident Mueller will do that uh, or or up to his best, as Stig would say. I think. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things, Matt, that I'm looking forward to keeping an eye on this year is going to be what's our strategy on kickoff, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if Dustin's out there, are we going, are we going to do a lob? Are we going to, you know, you're seeing a lot more fair catches 
because guys are wanting to avoid the potential disaster play from the return perspective. But you're also looking at, okay, well, are we going to try to pin them deep? Are we going to try to, you know, what, what what's our strategy going in? Maybe we're going to spell Hunter in that capacity since he's handling all the duties. And then again, touching on, okay, what's the operation going to look like from a field goal PAT perspective? Is Mueller going to be the short snapper? Who's short snapping? That's a very different snap from personal experience as a short snapper um, and as a long snapper uh, for the Jacks. Uh, I was mainly the short snapper, but uh, that's high pressure, right? What's going to happen when your number's called and, you know, you have to deliver when when money's on the line, right? So it'll be fascinating to watch as we move forward here. I'm, I'm excited to see who who lines up. Yeah. The one thing um, before we transition into some of the coverage units, like you just said there, uh, Keaton Heidi is back as the holder. Phenomenal yeah. holder. He's great. Um, Next level. The, yeah, exactly. Been in those situations forever. And I think it's funny to hear us say like, oh, we have a great holder. But I think it's one of those things you don't appreciate until you have a bad one. Right. Yeah. So no, no, that's a phenomenal point, Matt. I'm glad you brought that up. The national title game, which is the most torrential downpour I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Keaton was like a clutch holder, like getting, getting PAT snaps down that should never have been delivered. Um, and, and, you know, we're really fortunate to have him back. And then not, not only for the, the hold itself, but potential plays off of that, right? Like uh, creative two point scenarios. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. So you mentioned the coverage units. Uh, we got to talk out, talk about and shout out a couple of our favorite players there. Uh, Peyton Schaefer, mm-hmm. Kevin Brenner, you know, it's a couple of guys, a couple of dudes that play with their hair on fire on those coverage units uh, that just really, I mean, put it all on the line to, to, to make plays out there. So, and, and I think it's such an underrated part of the game because it pumps up the crowd. There was that play last year where Schaefer just decked the guy and there's an awesome picture that was, you know, of him, of flex and flex to the tackle and stuff. Yep. And the crowd just goes nuts. The team goes nuts. The defense gets out there and just, thrives off all that energy that he just created on that play. So. Exactly, because that, that continues, you know, on offense or defense, whoever's after that, right? Like, you feel that when you go out on the field. You you know, you know what just happened. You know what your brother just did. Uh, that goes a long ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about in the defensive preview, too, that how unbelievably deep we are at the linebacker uh, position. And that that's what, right? Like, what what is special teams? It's a bunch of safeties and linebackers going out and getting reps and, and earning a spot. And that, that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. It's your best, your best offensive play is your first defensive play, right? Because it sets the tone for field position. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think like having Kevin Brenner on there, who, you know, kick off God, who's lighting people up, um, you know, playing with his hat on fire uh, is just a great tone setter. So yeah, hopefully we can see more of that. And, yeah. and I, yeah, not not to jump to Iowa here uh, too quick, but I know that they genuinely believe that they're going to win the special teams battle. Uh, but with their punter, they've got you know two very very good kickers. Hasn't been announced who's going to go yet, uh, but they've got one of those Aussie style punters. And with a defensive team that thinks they can flip the field every time, right? Like we have to have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's a good point. I haven't even looked very at Iowa special teams yet, Dallas. Yeah. So yes, cool. yeah, good. <laughs> um, you know, a couple other guys to watch are some of the young cornerbacks, some of the young safeties. Um, I think, I, uh, who was it? Um, some of the players are starting to announce if they made the travel roster or not, and it's coming out on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. So uh, that's kind of cool to see the excitement on that. A lot of those younger guys that I'm seeing that from, I'm guessing, will be special teamers uh, just based on their positions and stuff. So uh, that's kind of exciting. 
on return on a return specialist again looking at zimmer's article i was surprised to see landon wolf listed as the punt returner when i talked to erickson that was something that he wasn't really considering at that point just due to the knee injury so any thoughts on that having landon on punt return i mean we kind of got into this a little bit last year when coach big was like uh didn't he wanted to name a starter right off the rip on certain positions and didn't like gamesmanship I, th- I think he likes gamesmanship because he's a clever guy and he's a mathematician, you know, uh, <laughs> he's a scholar and a gentleman. Um, no, I, I, I think you got to put your best players in positions to be successful. And I think Landon Wolf has uh, burst regardless of injury. I think he brings uh, potential big play uh, hitting ability to the table. And I think, you know, let's see what happens. I think you can't be afraid and you can't be timid based on past results. And I think it was a fluke thing that happened to him at Colorado State, and they're going to let her rip, right? So uh, it'll be fascinating to see who does get a shot back there. I know we've seen the Yankees back there, uh, both mm-hmm. Jaden and Jackson. We've seen uh, a number of guys return to the punt game, obviously. And then in the kick game, uh, I don't want to see the deuces back there. I don't want to see Isaiah back there. Nope, <laughs> sure I'm with you there. Deuces. Get him out. I don't want to see I will. Back. I will riot. If, if you, I know, I know you're you're in Texas. You can't make most of the games. I will jump oh, the field and make a scene for you. Oh, I'll okay. be there right with you. I will. We'll be locked arm in arm, and that's the <laughs> only other reason we storm the field is if he's back there returning. <laughs> hey, Erickson said special situations for him. Yeah, of so, course. I mean, I yeah. love that, but yeah. not not every not every time. And honestly, like you got to be out there. You can't be afraid you're going to get hurt. But I mean, he's too valuable to us long term. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one player that I'm interested in the return game because he started so strongly last year and then had some struggles is Tyler Feldkamp. Yep. Um, we that. talked about him early in the season, being excited about how we had a natural punt returner back there because he did it in high school. Uh, but then just, you know, bad luck, bad bounces, some bad decision-making. Um, you know, he was young. He's a true freshman. So, <laughs> so it was a learning experience, and he ended up getting pulled from that job in the playoffs, if I recall. Um, but it sounds like he's battled back and is, you know, mentally back in it. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he gets a chance this year because he's electric with the ball in his hand in open space. He really I, you is know what? Well, well put real quick, Dallas. I'll, I'll just chime in. Uh, so with Tyler and with a lot of these guys, regardless who's back there, I just want to see what the philosophy is. Catch mm. the ball. Like, like I had, you know, Paul Onnenson, the best, probably one of the best punt returners we've had in history on the former yes. player feature. He caught everything. Even if yep. he got lit up, he secured that thing like, you know, Fort Knox. So whatever happens, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Kyle, I was going to say the exact same thing. As a defensive guy, I'm a little bit boring when, you know, schematically. And to me, like, don't don't go find someone that's going to hit home runs. First, find someone that will catch the ball and make good decisions every time. Because mm-hmm. a, bunch of, a bunch of 20-yard returns, 25, 30-yard returns, are, are negated by one turnover instantly. Mm-hmm. So just find somebody, catch the ball, be conservative. Let's play. There we go. All right. Have we covered special teams enough? We just put 15 minutes on special teams. Name another pod that does that. (laughs) Special teams only pods. (laughs) Well deserved. If if Kurt Lucas is watching or when he does listen to this, he's going to tell me we didn't spend long enough. Talking about special teams. Listen, it's one third the game. It is. It's one third, even though mathematically that doesn't work out at all. It's still one third. Uh, Funny. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you, Kibby. Excellent. Yes. Um, This is a name that keeps popping up. Thank you for bringing this up. 
Tucker Large. Um, again, that Roosevelt pipeline. And Tucker, as we know, is a tremendous um, effort player that loves football, that plays hard every down. That's something that we've recognized. Uh, again, Zimmer kind of recognized him in the safety group, um, that he was uh, someone that someone that's just making plays, that's just showing up, even though you don't really think he should. You know, um, He's the smallest guy in that room, but again, just c- continues to make plays. So I'm excited to see him on special teams, being a core special teamer this year. Thanks, Lee, for pointing that but, out. Appreciate yeah, it. thank you, Lee, and that's a good point, Matt. I remember Bergie was really high on Tucker, too, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. just in terms of effort and, and contributions made and both uh, team, film study, all types of stuff. So really excited to see you know what impact he can have on the field. Yep, thank you. That's why you guys are the best. This is We have the best audience just for that. Yeah. You know, uh, the the B team, you know, last week got off the rails. You know, if you're if you're a fan of K fan out of this Twin Cities, yep. uh, they're they're like the Power Trip Morning Show. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Chad Chad's the meat sauce of the group, I think. And uh, <laughs> and here we are. I don't know who are we. Are we are we Barrero? I don't know who we are. We're not we're not Barrero era. Uh, I don't think I don't think we can quite hold a candle to Barrero quite yet. No, no not yet. We're, we are uh, gonna. What was the we're the NFL matchup that used to be on ESPN on Sunday morning? That. That's who we are. That works. That. Yeah. All right. Let's get into Iowa. So, this is a game that when it first popped up for me, you know, whenever we signed this contract or made this announcement years ago. I was like, ooh, you know, but then at the back, kind of like excited about it. But still, I was always a pretty perennial top 25 program. How did you guys feel? Do you remember how you felt when this popped up or when you realized we were playing Iowa this fall? What you got, Dallas? I was excited because I'd never been to Kinnick, and I still haven't, and I can't wait. Cool. i I really excited. And actually, real quick, Kyle, before your thoughts on the game – I had a thought this morning that I wanted to wanted to bring up, and I actually thought of you first, which is weird because that probably makes you the first person I thought of this morning, so that's awkward. Thank but you. <laughs> I, if you remember, uh, remember back to fall camp, right? It is the first three weeks are Groundhog's Day. It is the same thing, repeat over and over. You are separated from your family, your friends who aren't on the team, you're beat up, you're hurt. It's, you know, it just, it's, it's just, it's monotonous, right? And then you get that first sort of day off and mm-hmm. then you start game week and the energy and the excitement that comes after that. Uh, I just thought of that. That's what our guys get to feel right now. They get to hit game week and that is awesome. Am I off base there? No, you're just at that point, you're frothing at the mouth to hit someone in a different color. And, you know, we, we got a lot of people weighing in on our pod here. So thanks for uh, contributing. There's a lot of people that say there's no way in hell we roll out our best 22 and compete with Iowa. And I think that at the end of the day, they are a heavy favorite, I, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of the tradition, in terms of the style of play, in terms of I would say the head coaching continuity is the only thing that matches really. Um, but we are going to have our backs up against the wall. Mark's coming off of an injury. There's a lot of things that I'm sure we'll get into in further detail. But when you're talking about just coming off of fall camp, the guys are going to be motivated. They're going to be extremely prepared. They're going to do their due diligence to 
take care of what they need to take care of on the road when they travel. I don't think the moment is going to be too big for them, but now we're going to have the depth. Are we going to have the game plan? We got new coordinators in place, uh, new coaches in certain, certain areas. There's a lot of elements of this story to kind of keep an eye on and to be excited about if you're, if you're a Hawk fan or if you're a Jacks fan. So it's a very similar identity coming into this game. Two teams that love to run the ball, but two teams that have a lot of uh, firepower on di- in different aspects of their roster. So I think it's, it's just going to be an all-around dogfight, or as McKnight would like to say, our JFPA brother, a fight in the phone booth. Phone, fight in the phone booth. I think that's right. what we're going to see here. And, you know, there's – listen to a lot of podcasts, and, and they all take the same approach. They're respectful, but the, the line is what? Well, we hope this game is never in question. I heard that probably 10 times today. I wanted to vomit. Uh, and I don't think that yeah, – I still don't think that, that anybody quite understands what SDSU brings to the table. Is Iowa favorite? Of course they are. They're a Power 5 team. They're very, very good. They have a top five defense in the country, FBS. No one's questioning that. But I would argue we probably have five to six offensive players that could start on some Big Ten roster. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that this year. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have the X factor that I think most uh, Power 5 fans and teams t- uh, don't recognize is you, we got dudes with chips on their shoulders. Mm. We if there's I'd Say there's 110 dudes on our roster, 110 of them believe that they should have played FBS football. That, and that's they're not. An excellent, that's an excellent point. Before, Matt, before you jump in, because I know you're more well-versed on this roster than anyone on this podcast, I think that you look at a lot of the guys that we get out of the state of Iowa. I mean, they're tailor-made for that program. They just happen to receive a full ride to South Dakota State or, or plenty of scholarship money to don the blue and yellow as opposed to being a Hawk. And a lot of times that changes your whole perspective as an athlete. You feel honored. You feel respected. You feel seen. Um, and then not only that, the coaches are going to develop you. And now you see with guys like Dallas Goddard and Pierre Strong Jr., guys with an NFL pipeline. I mean, it's going to be a lot for them to handle. You know, it's not going to be an easy day. Uh, they're not just lining up against your, you know, X, Y, Z, A, and M's uh, of the world. The Jacks are a real contender. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Matt, you're muted, bud. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> no problem. You know, they're going to have three years into this, you know, still can't figure out the mute button. My God. All right. So, Jamal, game, bud. Jamal, good segue here. Uh, Jack's offense versus that Iowa defense will be a great battle. Exactly. Agreed. Um, this Iowa defense, let's let's just jump into it right now. We have to talk about uh, the Big Ten Player of the Year preseason here, Jack Campbell. Uh, 143 tackles, one sack, two interceptions. He's big. He can run. Uh, he really just makes a mess uh, of everything in the middle of that uh, that defense. You know, as a as the middle linebacker, just really a, a special a special player. Maybe one of the best linebackers we're going to face. Um, you know, when we went against the Gophers, Carter Coughlin didn't play from his edge position, um, and so that maybe w- could have been a comparable player um, in terms of impact on a game. But this Jack Campbell, sure. I mean, 6'5", 246, yeah. uh, three-year letter winner. My goodness. Like, that, that's the player to watch in this 4-3 defense. He does not come off the field. Um, they switch to a 4-2-5 where they'll bring in an extra corner uh, and just kind of see in that cash Leo position. So yeah. they're really interested in that. Um, 
you know, it sounds like this Jacobs will be the th- the linebacker when they're in a four three, and if they do a four two five, that that Cooper DeGene is going to come in uh, and and play at that spot. So we'll see. Um, but man, what do you guys what do you guys see when you look at this defense right now? Yeah, I I think Matt, you you hit the nail on the head with the length of Campbell. You know. Snides was talking about it. Brandon Snyder, who, you know, obviously played for the Hawks. He's the one only Hawk Jack. I like to drop that little reference in there. But when he, when he mentioned Campbell, that length is really going to cause some fits, I think, uh, at different times when they roll into a 4-3 under, which is just that backer walked up on the tight end, and he's going to carry him. I think Tucker and Zach Hines both pose, you know, real threats in the passing game and or running game to Iowa. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Iowa obviously is stout against the run. They, that's what they mm-hmm. see all the time, you know, out of the Minnesotas and the Wisconsin's of the world. Um, so it'll be fascinating in, in the Northwesterns for that matter. It'll be fascinating to see how they decide to defend Tucker and both Zach Hines. It'll be also interesting to see in his first true full go of it as the OC Zach Luan and how he chooses to attack such defense. So I'm really excited to see and hone in on that particular matchup. Yeah, that's the most interesting. The the coordinator thing that that take to me is the most interesting part of this game to see if and I I don't think the the lights are too bright or anything like that. But to get thrown into this kind of a battle, you know, in your first job, I I talked to I got to spend last weekend. I spent like 90 minutes talking to Coach Stig. It was one of the best days I've had in so long. It was so fun. Uh, But getting to talk to him about how in spring ball uh, that, you know, they actually did game reps for the coaches, not necessarily for the players, which was fascinating to me that I never would have thought of at 20 years old mm-hmm. that your coaches need reps too. And that, that's just nuts. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of game plan they bring uh, you know, to face this unbelievable defense. To me, it, it's – I mean, their, their defensive line is the best unit that, that they have. Uh, very deep. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see we've got you – know, for those of you that are, that are watching – uh, we've got a two deep up. This was pre fall camp. The actual two deep comes out tomorrow on Monday, so we'll make sure we get that shared on on Twitter. But you know, it, it's really the front seven uh, that 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 comes together here, and and they've got uh, the the name that I heard a couple times that is listed as a second string here. That is that Van uh, Van Ness, I believe, at tackle. They think that Lucas Van Ness uh, out of Illinois is on for like a ten to twelve sack season so we're definitely gonna have to get ahead on him mm-hmm. yeah the one player i'm curious about just because i saw him in high school is that yaya black six five three oh six and when mm-hmm. i remember when you interviewed marshall's head coach dallas or, yeah that was you that interviewed that, yeah. mm-hmm. uh talked about him going down to iowa and just i mean shoot the the crazy amount of talent marshall's produced uh in the last handful of years insane I know they they got him. They got Winkleman. I mean, what more do you need? Yeah, right. Be, be, best two athletes ever to come out of Marshall, Minnesota. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you Only did. two that matter. Hey, for those of you on the FCS fans nation that are joining us, uh, Trey Lance is also from Marshall, Minnesota. So, and Blaze Andrews, who is with the Dolphins, I think, is also from Marshall, Minnesota. He was a Gopher. So, just for some context for those of you joining us nationally. And for real context, outside of all that, 
Jazz. <laughs> we have uh, Seth Benson out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Washington. You know, and I, I know there's some Cedar Rapids guys. We we like to dip into that. Ankeny, Iowa. I saw a Kingston, uh, Kingsley, Iowa guy on the roster who I believe was a North Dakota State transfer. So, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, this is mutual overlap, right? All so, day. So, so when, when you're talking about people who actually have skin in the game, I mean, this is this is there's no bigger matchup than this in terms of a power five non-conference schedule. So I'm excited to see. So one thing, you know, you guys know I follow recruiting really close. That's what I do. The number of these guys on this list whose first offer was from the Jacks is pretty crazy. Uh, you know, and and it really does kind of stink. Um, Seth Benson was a commit to the Jackrabbits. Uh, you know, he's someone that we would have loved. His brother played for us. I think his dad played. His sister yep. played volleyball for us. Um, so again, he's a jackrabbit. Um, and then Riley Moss, yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. He was an NDSU commit and then flipped, uh, to Iowa as well. So from Ankeny, Iowa, I think we were one of his first offers. So just kind of bonkers that, uh, some of the connections and some of the names that I've seen go through the pipeline the last handful of years are now on this roster and playing. Yeah, it's a small oh. world, and it shows how how tight the the talent level is. You know, from one level to the next, all it takes is just that one offer. Yeah, and that that's you know that that's how we get the the talent that we do is some it just people get missed sometimes. Uh-huh. Exactly, and guys, to bring it back, I don't I don't want to derail this too much. I want to get back onto what what you brought up, Matt. It'll be fascinating to see. Iowa doesn't have any film on Luhan's coaching philosophy or play calling philosophy or his strategy. Mm-hmm. So how he dips into our bevy of weapons um, and how he deploys them against this defense. It'll be really fascinating to see. Is he run heavy? Is he a 60-40 pass guy? I mean, it'll be fascinating. And you know Coach Stig doesn't doesn't overextend his own power. He likes to let those guys free to do their thing. So, so right, one, Kyle, I'm curious. Uh, two questions here. One, tell me what you think Luhan's approach is going to be because I don't have a clue. And two – does Stig treat it differently, him being a, I don't want to say younger because that doesn't matter, but a less experienced first-time coordinator, former player, does Stig treat him differently in any way? That is a phenomenal question. I'm glad you brought it up, number one. I will say that I believe as a quarterback, you can never be too uh, – you can't trust him too much to lean heavy on the run. I think they'll have that itch in them to air it out, to take deep shots. I love that about him. It's unpredictable. Um, that being said, in just following some of Stig's uh, notes on his coordinators and new hires, I think he trusts Zach's preparation. And in having talked with Matt and Matt having talked with Coach Luan, I think he is a diligent preparer of the game. I think he eats, breathes, and sleeps the game. So I think uh, he's going to have full trust. Coach Stig wouldn't have elevated him to this position at this point in his career if he didn't have that faith in him. So uh, so to answer your question, I think it'll be about 50-50 to start out because he does recognize the, the strength of the run game. But if it's not there, I think he'll lean on, on obviously, the weapons on the outside. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Um, one thing that, I, that I'm thinking about is I brought this up in 2019. P.J. Fleck said after, their, after our game with them that uh, – they didn't prepare specifically for us game plan specifically for us. And that's why the game was so close. You know, that could be PJ just being PJ. What do we think? Iowa has, has was beaten by NDSU. Everyone knows that. And you and I gives them a scare pretty much every time they play them. 
what what are we thinking? Are they game planning for us? Or are they just going to say, hey, we have the better team, the better athletes? I'm just really curious. I don't know what yeah. goes into this. I'll, yeah. I'll run with that first, Dallas. I think, you know, with Iowa, their tradition is to own what they do. I mean, that that's why they're consistently running the same type of schemes uh, both on both sides of the ball for so long. That's why Kurt – you know, Kirk Ferentz brings in his, his son as an OC and he, he just has that trust and he has that confidence that they can do what they do better than worrying about whatever team does what they do, right? So I, I think we're not going to be able to benefit from lightning striking twice, that being NDSU knocking them off in Kinnick. Um, they're going to be prepared for us. They're not going to take us lightly, especially having one of their own in blue and yellow and Brandon Snyder. I think they completely understand what they're getting into. I think Kirk and his staff are going to be in our ears um, or in, in his guys' ears and going to be letting them know, like, you know, what you remember what happened in 2016. You remember what happened. You want this to derail all your dreams. So I think they're going to be prepared, and I think the Jacks are going to get their best fight, especially when the number one goal to, to win all the other goals is to win the opener. So that's just my take on it. No, agreed. I had the same sort of thought. I think we're aligned here that I I don't know a lot about friends. I don't I don't know. I haven't I haven't listened to enough yet to hear any comments from players or coaches or anything on how they're how the game's going to work. I'll definitely listen to their coaches show this week. Um, but they are who they are. So I don't think that them game planning one way or another is going to make a ton of difference. And that's basically what you just said, Kyle. But yeah. they're they're going to shut really anybody down on defense and they're going to they're going to control the clock they're going to try to control clock they're going to try to control uh field position and you know then then we see what happens mm-hmm. i want to go back to jim's comment here i can see that uh, mark may not have as, as many quarterback keeper runs thoughts um i would say not by design i, I wouldn't do it by design this yeah. this this Same. week so uh you know it I think Ben um, brought this up when we were texting before and like, what's the, what is the real risk? I mean, or what's the real advantage of having him run this week um, in a game that's not going to hurt us for playoff seating. If we win, Mm -hmm. it can help us, but a loss is not going to hurt us for playoffs. You got to keep that in mind. That drops. So that's a, that's a great point, Matt. I think that uh, I brought that up in the previous pod in the in the defensive preview maybe someone brought it up in a question but I I don't run them at all designed like I mean unless it's absolutely there and maybe you can get away with one or two outside of him just being a playmaker um Mm -hmm. Lori Malum who's now AJ's wife uh you know Aaron Johnson the women's basketball coach she was one of my teachers in college and uh was our academic advisor as well and she always used to say this about Corey Jeske former Jackrabbit you can't stop a competitor from competing and I think for better or worse, that's Mark, right? If, if it's there, he's going to ball. And, and you can't tell him not to play football. So I think at the end of the day, you just hope he gets out of those situations unscathed. But I would be, I would be surprised, I think, a little bit to see Zach design some plays specifically for him unless that's just part of the scheme going forward. No, I, I would absolutely hate that. that. That's probably the second thing that would make me charge the field. I thought about this too when we uh, when we were talking about returners, and it's such an interesting thing. Like it's exciting 
to think that, hey, what if what if it's a, a three-point game in the fourth quarter or something like that, right? It's very, very cool, and we all want to go in there and win and sneak one out and and you know and, and show what uh, show what this team can do. But in the end, like it doesn't really help us that much this year. It might because we have we have a tough valley schedule that that's been well documented. So getting that extra win might actually help. But but it's it's the the win there is more something that helps us in the next you know two to four years more than it does this year. Right, like yeah. in recruiting, it's huge. But in terms of the, the season, like it's fun, it's a feather in the cap, but it, it isn't going to do anything enormous. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Dallas. And, and real quick to cap out this point to Dustin Helton, friend of the pods. Point he said that uh, they may look ahead to next week by playing down to us, and that could play to our advantage. They do have the Seahawks game the following week. That's a mm-hmm. huge emotional drain for them, right? Love it. Um, in state rivalry. You know, Iowa State coming off what would be a down year for Iowa State in terms of expectations. They were picked higher than they ever have been to dominate the Big 12. Um, you know, some some people, we- like Cors- some people like Corso and all those folks and pundits and the Bear, they still have Iowa State doing big things out of uh, out of the Big 12. So, you know, you never know. It could ball could bounce our way in terms of looking ahead. Are we a trap game? Could be. <laughs> Nah. <laughs> All right, let's flip over, uh, flip sides of the ball here, and talk about Iowa's offense a little hold, bit. Hold on, hey, hey, we missed one thing on defense that's worth calling out. Sure. Is so opposite of that All American, All World corner that they have. What's his name? Moss. Yep, Lost Moss. across from Moss. The other fella is suspended for the game. So that's Correct. that sounded like that is the only question mark that they have on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is who's going to be at that other corner spot? Yep. Yep. Harris is suspended for this game. So, yeah. All right. Thanks, Dallas, for bringing that up. Awesome. Let's go into offense then. Uh, Iowa's offense last year averaged 303 yards per game, 180 passing, 123 rushing, and converted 34% of their third downs. So not, you know, a a crazy offense by any means, Um, but still, I mean, what they want to do, right, Kyle, is keep the yeah. ball, possess the ball, run it down your throat if possible. They're they're running back from last year's in Packers camp right now, um, trying to make the team as an undrafted free agent. So they have two Williamses, LaShawn Williams and Gavin Williams, um, that saw the field last year. And, um, you know, neither was super dynamic. LaShawn was 3.3 yards per carry, Gavin 4.7. And then a fullback uh, that the Jacks also recruited from West Lyon um, that, you know, very familiar with that school, Monty Potabam. Powerhouse uh, school. Right, right. He's, uh, I think, the second fullback on most boards this year. Yeah. So Snides Snides brought me a point of bringing him up as well. So, you know, Iowa loves to, you know, stack the the backfield, throw a little fullback in there and make sure they lead the way. So – uh, we're going to have to, you know, bring our chin straps and our pads behind us. So, um, you know, Matt, you talk about their offense, wanting to do the bread and butter stuff, which is run, 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 play action. Spencer Petras, there's probably not a situation he hasn't seen. Now, uh, Zach Borg will tell you the consistency with which he plays uh, is something to kind of put a question mark behind because at times he's he's a streaky player. Sometimes he looks like he's all Big Ten. Sometimes he looks like, you know, he should probably maybe be on our level. So, um, I think I think we should not take him lightly, though. Uh, 
obviously having all that experience, having all those reps under his belt, um, he's going to be ready to exploit the the situation that is uh, in his favor. Um, and we've got some new guys in the secondary uh, with with a lot more responsibility levied upon him. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. This is a fan base that is not confident in their offense in the slightest. It's some of the weirdest comments, uh, you know, going between podcasters, journalists, things that I've read. In the one, their their opinion on Petrus, where it's like, you know, you could go. One of them described it as he could make 10, 20 yard throws in a row, but the second he has one bad throw, that everybody's going to turn on him. Yeah. Is, is how I heard it described. Uh, so you've got, you know, I think, a big question mark, maybe a good leader, because you know, it sounds like he is somebody that everybody on, in the locker room wants to follow, the coaching staff yep. wants to follow, but there's some mechanical issues. Uh, again, I'm not going to try to break that down, but that, that's what I heard in, in from two or three different spots. And then offensive line is a bit of a question mark, too. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up offensive line. Matt, do you, uh, do you have any insight on that? So it sounds like last year their tackles were kind of a mess, and we are used to uh, – Iowa having this amazing offensive line, but that wasn't yeah. the case last year. Right. Um, it sounds like Plum and DeYoung on the right side were a real problem, and Mason Richmond at left tackle was young. Um, I think we recruited him too. Uh, hmm. Really a good player, um, but again, he was a freshman last year, 6'6", 308. I'd expect both all three of those guys to be improved no matter who starts on the right side. You know, that experience from last year is just going to you know help. But still, like you got to kind of wonder because our defensive line is a strength of ours. And so if that's a weakness for them, who knows? This could be kind of a mess. And uh, Petrus isn't really a mobile guy at all. Yeah. So, you know, and I I wouldn't expect to see too many design runs, perhaps some breakdown and play, obviously, with new pieces and new components on the Jack side defensively. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the most important position next to quarterback on the field, which is the tight end. Um, Sam Laporta, <laughs> Sam Laporta, obviously, he you know, he's a solid player. He's a senior out of Illinois. Jack's love to dip into Illinois for recruiting purposes. And I, I think, you know, you can he's a three-year letter winner. You can expect big things out of him, um, hopefully not in this game. But as a safety valve, as someone who wants to get things going from a rhythm perspective, look for Petrus to kind of check check down to him in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their, their fan base is super high on him as well. Um, I think he had a huge game against Kentucky in the bowl yep. game last year. And it's kind of fun because last year, you know, we got to see uh, the awesome tight end from Colorado State up close and personal. Uh, and, you know, that kind of made me a fan of him for the year. Um, Laporta, we'll see. You know, he's projected to be a high draft pick to, as well, you know, in, in the early rounds at least. Uh, but there's some other weapons we got to talk about. And one that's kind of a mystery right now is has a Jackrabbit connection. Uh, Keegan Johnson, Kate yep. Johnson's younger brother. And it's just really interesting because he's missed part of camp. They said he returned to camp, but isn't necessarily participating in everything. So they're not sure of his status for this game. Uh, he's probably their most dynamic player on offense, in my opinion. He's he's so much like Cade. He's a little bit bigger, but he just plays with a chip on his shoulder like Cade did. That you know he breaks tackles. Looks like he wants to fight you out on the field, um, and fast enough. <laughs> You know, he's not a, a track superstar, but he's fast enough. Um, and so I'm interested to see if he plays, if he doesn't. Um, you know, the other wide receivers, Nico uh, Regini, uh, you know, is a senior. 
and put up some decent stats last year, 26 receptions, 331 yards. Arlen Bruce is kind of their slot, 25 receptions last year. You know, he played as a true freshman like Keegan. Uh, so they're young, um, and we'll see at, at, at these wide receiver positions. I'm just – I'm really curious what's going on with Keegan. So – it over and over again the the conversation that that it sounded like was yeah yeah wide receiver we should be fine we got good athletes we got a couple good running backs and then you know back to question marks that line and maybe quarterback the, the, you're right in the the kick and Johnson thing is interesting to say the least I, I hope it's not too severe I hope the kid's okay because I, I listened to uh, a journalist today completely and almost aggressively dodge the question. Mm-hmm. About what was wrong is some. It was a podcaster was trying to get into it. And he said, "Listen, it's I forget what he said. He said it's a uh, it's a it's lingering issues, and that's I'm going to leave it at that." And he just completely shut the guy down. So there's something going on there. Again, you you hope it's nothing that's going to keep him out too much longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hope it's not like a stress condition or some type of you know fracture or something to that degree. Um, and then you can see best on best on Saturday. I think I think Tim brings up a great point here. You're going to see a bunch of two tight end sets, I think, on both sides of the ball. So get ready for the best brand of football you could ask for to open the season, in my humble opinion. I somebody think- somebody pull up that Spider-Man picture where they're all pointing at each other because that's about what's going <laughs> right. to happen. Yeah, right. the ball all year. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, I think that uh, one of the cool things is, is – uh, Again, we, we, we're going to re- revert back to it. We don't know what type of offensive philosophy Luan is going to unveil. So I think that's hard for an, for a defense to prepare for, especially when you do have weapons like the Jacks. I don't think I was going to take them lightly, but, you know, what does, what kind of stats are we going to see? Are we going to see, you know, in talking to Dan Jackson, shout out to Vandy getting a huge win out in Hawaii, talking to him a couple weeks ago, they play Northern Illinois and one of our former offensive coordinators uh, Coach Eisness, and that's you know a lot of tr- trades, shifts, motions, a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of window dressing, as defensive coaches would call it. Are we going to see a lot of that out of Luan? Are we going to see a lot of you know window dressing and a lot of you know different things in terms of sets uh, that are going to be tough for a defensive uh, coordinator to prepare for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really don't know. Like, I do we want to do get into predictions for this? Are we ready for that? Oh, no doubt. Dallas, do you have anything else on Iowa's special teams? You brought something up earlier about them. Oh, sure. Um, I actually heard that in a few places. So, again, they are very, very proud of their special teams. You know, they've got two kickers. Uh, I think, you know, starter will be announced tomorrow, and, and it's kind of the same kicker battle that you hear anywhere else where there's one guy that's, uh, you know, they feel is maybe better short range, another guy that can hit the long ones, and, you know, they, they might be better uh, as a kickoff specialist. So you might see both of them, uh, might see both of them here on Saturday coming up. But the, the the most interesting part was the punter is they were one of the first adopters of bringing in an Australian rules kicker to punt, and so they they really really use that to control the you know control the field position battle uh, to get that ball booted down maybe maybe cough and corner get it get get that dribble off to the side. So that's something that I think the Jacks have to be ready for uh, in their turn game. That's good inside Dallas. I, 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 guys, I wanted to highlight this comment just because I think that, you know, we would all be remiss if we didn't highlight it and then also weigh in on it. I think that, uh, you know, they were talking about how Iowa is an FBS version of NDSU and they can be beat if Jacks can control the trenches, you know, and each time the Jacks have 
had an opportunity and capitalized on it and beat the furry cows, it has been in the trenches and it has been in the turnover game. So I think that, you know, if that happens on Saturday, if we can get a slight advantage in the trenches and then obviously play safe football from a uh, ball security standpoint, I think, you know, the advantage does tilt in, in the good direction. Back to the control in the trenches, a little bit more on that offensive line. The, the biggest question marks sounded like they were probably at tackle. Is is really where uh, where where they might I don't know struggle struggle is a strong word, but they talked about uh, uh, Connor Colby who started at right guard last year and everyone believes he will shift out to right tackle to fill that spot which might open it up at guard. So to me it's like does, yeah. does he move out? You look at those two positions that are question marks: left tackle uh, and then either right guard or right tackle, and then you make sure you schematically you match up and really really get some pressure on him there. Mm-hmm. That excites me. Go, yeah. go ahead. On the flip, though, I'm nervous about our right side of our offensive line. You know, has maybe one start with Bo Donald last year at right tackle. Uh, I think he started that game when Johnson, Aaron Johnson was out at left and everyone shifted. Uh, yeah. I mean, what a hostile environment for that young right side to jump into. Um, I don't know if it's going to be John O'Brien at guard, if it's Evan Burnson, Ethan Bibbert, whoever's going to be that right guard. I mean, my goodness, like what a, water. what a first game. <laughs> yeah, it's called baptism by fire, you know, and I, I think uh, excellent point to bring up, Matt. Um, you know, and then again, on the flip side, if they're <laughs> quote unquote question marks, I don't I think that's strong. And, and Dallas, I'm glad you, you say that apprehensively. Um, we do have quite uh, a, quite a good bit of experience on our defensive end edge mm-hmm. positions getting after the pass rusher so we got obviously quentin hicks we got reese winkleman the pride of marshall minnesota there's that other city again we just got to get some fairmont sprinkled in there what the hell um and then you know uh i, I think that obviously the colonel down there in the middle for bumping guys out to right tackle i mean he's a disruptor you know that's the nature of how he plays the game he's plays with great leverage played a really solid game against colorado state but this is no colorado state so we'll see how this pans out at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm glad we've made it through the whole episode and none of us have done the whole comparative box score uh, comparison between Colorado State and us and Iowa, Colorado State, because we're not going to oh. go there. On that. Turn the, the page. Equivalency. Turn, yeah, turn the page. Yep. yep. All right. So let's go. Let's talk about some players to watch here that we're looking at. So, um, this is presented by Jack Arbit Central, who's back as a sponsor again this year. Um, you can order your stuff online. They have all sorts of new merch coming in. Um, they do. They've been working with athletics on the specific um, on the specific theme games that are taking place this fall to have specific merchandise ready for those games. Um, again, stay tuned for our show. You'll get to see it here first. Uh, we're good. excited about that. And um, again, get your stuff ordered online, stop in the bookstore, either in the stadium or in the actual student union. Um, Lots of good stuff to choose from there. Great point, Matt. Just want to say most people are going to be wearing blue, but I'm a creature of habit and I'm slightly superstitious. I wore black last year at the uh, Colorado State game, so I'll be wearing black again. I just got a shirt from Jackrabbit Central, so let's go. I I actually haven't decided my wardrobe. I was going to point out today, I haven't worn this shirt since the week of the game, but I've got 
my road to Frisco because that starts uh, this week, the road Let's to Frisco. Go. So I, I dug it out and I'm wearing it. Let's go. All right. In Texas. All right. All right. So players to watch. Let's let's name an offensive player to watch for the Jackrabbits here. What do we think? I can start, but I'm I'm not gonna specifically name one. So that may not oh, help you. But to what? me, okay, so hold on. It's a combination. It's a combination of uh my boy Rudy Voss Let's and go. uh the the second third string running backs okay. because we as, as fun as it would be yep as fun as it would be to go in there and walk out with a dub and i can't wait and i'm gonna party after it happens but uh we got to limit some reps we got to keep guys healthy let's let's keep the big picture in mind let's keep the real goal in mind so that to me the player to watch is what kind of production we get out of some of those second string guys is that a fair answer matt yeah sure yeah all right yeah what you got matt all right. You only get- uh, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Bo Donald. I'd mentioned this right side of this offensive line. Um, I love Bo Donald. Nice. I have been a Bo Donald fan since uh, we started recruiting him and watching him play in the nine-man state title game. Uh, and if he can be a good right tackle for us, this is a hell of a test. But if yes, he can sir. be a good right tackle for us, we're set this season. Like our offense is gonna be just fine um so yeah love that man and and for all your for all you io fans that might be watching this as well we're not talking about set against big 10 competition all right we're talking about the missouri valley we're not too high on our horse here um we respect you guys uh but so on and so forth here uh i assume we're talking offense first and then going to get into defense so i really want to highlight this guy because i mean I, I genuinely believe he wants to really rise up against competition, some stout competition there on the edge in this game. That's Jackson Yankee. Also, his brother Jaden could throw him into the fold, but I really want to see what Jackson does because the spotlight is on him now for what he did all last year, what he's done as a freshman, a sophomore, just continues to take steps. Um, I want to see what he does against elite competition. I think that Mark coming back, obviously we all could have said Mark, right? We all want to see what he's going to do, but that's like an obvious statement. So we want to see what what Jackson does on the edge to create separation, be that that safety net to go to when maybe Tucker doesn't create separation, so on and so forth. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah. All right. From our fans, or from our not fans, excuse me, from listeners, followers, we've had Mar Johnson and then Mark Ganowski come up as well, be nominated. Oh. So I like those nominations too. I, I like that none of us went with the easy answers. Isaiah yep. doesn't come up. Mark doesn't come up. Yep. No Tucker. Tucker. No and yep. no Tucker. Oh my goodness. I, 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 go, guys? I, I almost said Zach, just because I think there's going to be a lot of focus on Tucker. So I For almost sure. said Zach. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Let's flip over defensive side of the ball. Uh, who's going to make? Who's going to be a player to watch defensive side of the ball this week? I'm not going first this time. I will. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, on this one, uh, Adam Bach. You know, he's talked about how he's excited for this game. Uh, he grew up going to Hawkeye games and stuff. This game means a lot to him. I'm guessing he feels like he should be playing there um, at Iowa. He's had a tremendous summer, tremendous two seasons as a starting middle linebacker. Um, whether it's shutting down the run or helping out against Laporta in uh, the, the, the past game, I think he's going to have a big, big impact on this week. 
I love that, Matt. I, I'm going to go with Quentin Hicks. Reason being is Jacks love to stack against the run. They do a very good job of that historically. They've shut the bison down, the furry cows. Uh, they've shut them down historically. But then what happens is on third and long, on third and manageable, something happens with the quarterback, something happens in the passing game. Hopefully Quentin can get home and disrupt that situation. Quentin Hicks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it. You guys set me up perfectly. Bach is an obvious choice. I, I think our defense is going to come ready to play. You talk about the fight in the phone booth. I mean, this is going to be – this is not going to be a game that offensive-minded people uh, necessarily love to watch. But you've got – got two other uh, Iowa boys on the defensive line, Van Marl and the Colonel, Caleb Sanders. And I just I, I have to give a slight extra advantage to anybody from the state of Iowa playing in this game. they got to be fired up. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Good. So who your, who's your pick um, out of those two? That's so hard. See, I went last, so I thought I get to take two. Because uh, <laughs> you got, I mean, okay, so the the, the colonel is who he is, uh, preseason all-world FCS. But Van Marl, he finished so strong last year. I'm going to go Van Marl. Let's okay. go. Okay, all right. All right. Um, in, in the chat, we had Caleb Sanders come up, and as well as Graham Spaulding. So oh, Graham Spaulding. Oh, I forgot the law firm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, fellas, do we do we want to do predictions? Of course. Okay. Going into week one. Yeah. So I was on with a radio station this week for Iowa and doing an interview, and they asked me what my thoughts were. Like, what what, what station? Matt? Let's give. Yeah. Him a do you remember out. who you talked to? Because was it the podcast I listened to today? No. Nope. 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 It's the. <laughs> it's actually the beat writer for you and I. So whatever. TV station he was also dabbling Excellent. with. So yeah, I, well, I'm. I'll. We'll drop it on Twitter. Twitter. So, yeah. Um, I I said, you know, I don't – I would be disappointed in a blowout. You know, that's the only outcome where I would truly be disappointed as a fan. I don't think we're going to get blown out of the water. Uh, This team has so much talent and the aspirations that they have this year um, I think are just – I I think a a blowout would be uh, just shocking to me as a fan. So I'm predicting – uh, I'm going to predict an Iowa win. So 17 to 13, Iowa. Yeah. What you got, Dallas? Very close. Uh, it it would be dis- – I mean, it, it's very difficult to, to, to pick a, uh, South Dakota State over a Big Ten team, one that has some fairly high aspirations. A lot of their fan base thinks that they're, you know, they're a nine-win uh, type team this year. And so I'm I'm actually going 17. Let's make it closer. I'm going to go 17, 16. Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the depth catches up with the Jacks. I'm going to yep. go 23 to 20 Hawks. Okay. Uh, I hope everybody's listening to this because I think the reality is depth, 84 scholarships, uh, coordinator continuity. And all those things, I think they they mount and they create a real problem. So hopefully they Same. can overcome I, it. I think we can scare the heck out of them, and we you know we could see a lead in the third or even fourth quarter early on. But yeah, at that point, then then depth takes over. I think. Yep. 
Yep. All right. From the uh, from the audience, we have Jamal with Jax thirty two fourteen. Love that. Tim twenty seven thirteen Hawks. So I just I I do not see Iowa scoring that many points against our defense. I know our back end has some question marks, but I think Iowa's passing game has some question marks too. So. I just don't see – I see a really low-scoring game. For anyone to break 20, there's going to be a pick six or a special teams touchdown. But, but now it is game one, so let's not sleep on that. I mean, hopefully they tilt in our advantage as opposed to previous years. I, I will say we're all keeping receipts, so let's remember what what happened so we can say, hey, we all were idiots and uh, picked the wrong colors. Yeah, right. Yep, right. All right. Thank you so much. This has been an awesome audience for a week one show. Uh, really appreciate the interaction. Uh, really appreciate all you guys. Um, you know, I've seen uh, Brendan was wearing his Jack's hat um, in the last yep. episode. There's been a bunch of hats sold. Go to our store. It's the pinned tweet in my in my bio. Um, get your Jackrabbit Illustrated stuff before the season gets going here. Uh, Want to give a shout out to our sponsors again. Uh, Drake's Place. Cottonwood, uh, Jackrabbit Central, and Shenanigans, who sponsors a segment on the B team. Um, you know, love you guys. Um, thank you so much for supporting us. Kyle, any any parting thoughts, Dallas, after that? Matt, are you getting out there this year? I know last year you were inhibited by, you know, the cold <laughs> that you caught, but understood, you know, precautionary. Are you getting out to Iowa City? I am not. I was planning oh. on it. Brendan, hold on, you guys. So Brendan made an offer that I really couldn't refuse. Um, unfortunately, uh, my dad needs help on the farm, and he recently had hip replacement surgery. So um, got to go home and duty calls for that. So, Understood. Yeah. That's a good yeah. reason, hip replacement. I guess we'll allow that one to enter the fold. You yeah. take care of yourself. Hopefully, you'll be. Are you going to get to watch? Are you listening? Yes, we'll get to watch. Yep, we'll get Excellent. to watch. We have a time though. Dallas, are you going to be there? I will be there. And you said you're going to, right? Yes, sir. Very lovely. And we uh, make sure anybody that wants to tailgate with the Jackrabbit Illustrated Crew B team and the uh, the book club have a tailgate spot picked out. So make sure Lot follow. 65. What's that? Lot sixty five, I believe it That's is. Right, Dallas. Right, yep. 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 And it sounds like passes are sold out for that. You can park any anywhere, walk to it. The Jackrabbit Illustrated flag will be flying. Yes, um, sir. So it should be a great time. So 6 a.m. is when uh, Brendan says he's going to be there setting up. Exactly. And then the night before, obviously drinks are on, on everyone else, but Tavern Blue is going to be a good gathering of JFPA and all the Jacks faithful. So Tavern Blue, tab is on you Friday night before the game. Perfect. Oh, I can't wait. All right. Everyone have fun. Stay safe. And let's hope we are all wrong on our predictions here and the Jacks come home with a victory. Uh, with that, go big, go blue, go, go Jacks, buddy. This podcast has been brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Drake's Place in Bottle, and to Jackrabbit Central and Shenanigans. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the Jackrabbit Illustrated podcasts and like and follow Jackrabbit Illustrated on Facebook and Twitter. And go big, go blue, go Jacks! Horns down!